0: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for July seventh, twenty twenty. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or on the dedicated Open the Voice Gate Podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can find us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. I am one of your hosts. It's your old pal Mike Spears. And I'm joined as always by the other host, Case Low. And Case, how's it going today?
1: I've got nothing witty to say for right now on the show. I'm just doing well. I'm doing all right, kind of day by day. It's okay. And there's a lot of good happening in Japan right now, which is good. So I'm happy to be here with you, Mike, to discuss
0: Dragon Gate. You, you know, on our week-to-week like personal sanity tests, I'll take you being well and just focusing towards Japan, you know? It, with how things were last month, a couple weeks, ago, a couple months ago, well, is it, you, you know that's almost like a, almost being on like a hot streak right now.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize until I guess now because I am currently not in therapy that Mike every week going, Case, how are you doing? Is the the most personal human interaction I have on a week-to-week basis at this point. So Mike might just be pitching it to me because it's polite when he asks me how I'm doing. But when I hear, Case, how are you doing? I take that to heart and I really look within myself and I give an honest answer whether the listeners want it or not.
0: I'm all right with being your Dr. Melfi at times. <laughs> I'm all right with that, with that being my role here. But yeah no it's been a it's one of those weeks that like i think actually now having live wrestling to talk about kind of put a little pep in my step coming in here especially in comparison like past weeks where there was no light in the the tunnel we're out of the tunnel at least in dragon gate and i feel like that's something that maybe maybe it's a statement on myself that i do base some of my self-esteem on oh hey there's a live dragon gate shows coming up but that was something that you know it was a nice thing to like this weekend get up and watch these shows To
1: quote a TNA Mr. Anderson shirt, pro wrestling is real and people are fake. So if you need to attach your mental health to a Japanese professional wrestling company, Mike, I would not only encourage it, I would recommend it. And we had these two shows, Kyosho KBS Hall, this weekend. Mike, presentation wise, we had social distancing guidelines in the crowd. Everybody had a mask. There were no intermissions. The undercard matches were shortened from a twenty minute time limit to
0: a fifteen minute time limit. Overall, what did you think of the presentation? I mean, the only big difference that like I noticed, and maybe it is that like I did spend some of the last week watching old Akira Tozawa matches, but the big difference was like the crowd there was no crowd calls. That was like the big difference to me, it was you weren't hearing like crowd calls and you would maybe hear some verbal emotion in the crowd but the crowds basically kept it to applause which totally understandable like that's the responsible thing is like the crowd call thing especially in an indoor setting with how with what we know about it to like not do that but that kind of took me back. but the rest of it you know uh dragon gate at least in kyoto kbs hall they were able to run up to about 60 65 occupancy so it it looked like it was a pretty full crowd i mean there was no crowd brawling that was a big difference
1: that should be implemented across <laughs> wrestling if, if one good thing comes out of covid is that jeff jarrett might finally lose one we might end the walk and brawl for good
0: yeah but like it felt like dragon gate and you know like that was one of those things that like i watched the uh, stardom show that happened last month that was at uh, uh Sh- that was at shinkiba and like that felt a little bit weirder than this one did like this felt like a dragon gate show other than like General, like, little quirks that you only really know if you watch a lot of Dragon Gate, I feel like. How about you?
1: I completely agree. The no crowd calls thing affects, I think, the undercard matches a little bit more because there was just, I think, a a bigger inclination to applaud and the little vocal noises that were made by the audience, I think, came through uh, with the main event guys, with the bigger stars on the roster, which makes sense. The undercard matches had a PGA Tour vibe to them where it was silence in between moves and then a move would be hit and you would get the golf clap. It felt more apropos to, I think, the way that Chris Jericho in his first book sort of incorrectly labeled Japanese crowds. And I think Chris Jericho did a lot of generational damage talking about how quiet Japanese crowds are in that book, where it's like if you watch... Anything You're like, no, they're actually very lively and like to make noise. You just have to be good to get over there. The undercards on these shows, it was weirdly silent at times, but I was completely okay with it because the way Drangate set up the building, it was clear they were following social distancing because there was kind of every other chair was filled, if that makes sense. They were leaving a, a one-chair-length space. It looked like going back in terms of the rows of chairs that they set up less rows than normal, thus giving more uh, space between the patrons. And, uh, I, you know, I, it, it looked like it was full of people. I watched part of a J-Stage show earlier today, and even though there were people there, it felt like, covid era wrestling like you could tell the audience was a little uncomfortable because the building they were running was so small there was no opportunity to follow those social distancing guidelines so it didn't really have the same effect but if you're looking for some sort of normalcy i have to recommend the dragon gate shows because it looked and felt like the professional wrestling that we have come or i guess that we knew instead of the empty arena stuff that we have come to know
0: yeah and it did seem like uh at least with uh, KBS Hall, I did see some photos that the uh, was on social media of them. Like, they were doing, before people got in, they had the temperature guns, and they had the uh, hand sanitizer everywhere. And they actually had, like... I did see a photo of, their, of the merch area. There was a merch area here, which is not necessarily the case uh, in certain other areas of Japan. And it was, like, pretty much, like, they were trying to do everything they could possible to, like, limit any kind of physical interaction whatsoever. So... It's interesting like how much on-screen kind of looked like you would would expect, at least in this era, and then like, it looked like everything outside of the ring looked drastically different in a lot of ways.
1: I'm someone who has not resumed any sort of social activities. I don't leave the house unless I have to go get something or have to go to— like, I went to the eye doctor last week. But watching the Kyoto shows, if I was living in that region— after watching these two shows, next time Dragon Gate comes to town in August, I would, if things stayed the same, I would feel safe attending that show. And we'll find out in you know a week or two if things need to drastically change. And maybe this was an error, and they rolled out fans too soon. But as of now, I have zero complaints with the way they handled reintroducing fans into the shows.
0: Yeah, especially in comparison to what some of the uh, North American companies have done since, and this felt. A lot more safe like the only other show that i've seen that when i with like covid guidelines i was like you know what i can maybe go to this was the gcw show in your neck of the woods in indianapolis
1: <laughs> yeah the show very
0: close to my house that i did not attend <laughs> that that sounds like a gcw show to me <laughs> but it, it, it was all cool i mean like the other like big one there's like two big takeaways and we'll get into one of them when we get into the shows itself because it relates to the cards the big takeaway was during the off period We already knew that they changed out the Dream Gate with the beginning of the new year. This is linked to the licensing change and the logo change. But we have all new titles, Case. And I know that that's been something that at least on social media, people have been trying to figure out. But new Dream, a new Twin Gate, new Triangle Gate, new Brave Gate titles were uh, were displayed this show. And I have to say, as someone that took a little bit to get used to the Dream Gate titles, I really like what I've seen so far of the Brave and Triangle Gate. I still have not seen a very good photo of the twin gate. And I don't think I will probably until we get full cameras just because of social media of those two uh, champions. But I really liked the new tiles that they brought out case. What were your thoughts about them?
1: I think the brave gate looks awesome. I think the triangle gate looks awesome. I can't speak on the twin gate just yet, but it's a rebranding, which is weird because my entire dragon gate lifetime, which dates back to the summer of 2013, early 2014, With the exception of the strap changing on the Brave Gate at one point, those have been the titles that I've known, and they were the best-looking titles in wrestling, in my opinion, with the exception of maybe the IWGP heavyweight belt. But change is good, even if change is scary. I like the new belts. I think they look good. I think they represent the company well, and I'm glad that they are finally updated. I, I was questioning myself watching the first show. Because I, I noticed the belts were new and I was like, why? Well, uh, that couldn't have happened in the empty arena shows. I surely would have noticed it there. And then I, I had a weird journalism panic where I was like, did I not mention the new title belts? And then luckily, other people made note of, oh, no, these are new. And I uh, was able to ease the anxiety
0: for a moment. It, and it's something that, like, they very easily, since, unless you know, I don't know when everything of the empty arena shows was taped. Like, that stuff looked like it was months ago to be honest.
1: That's a good point that we never got to the bottom of yeah. is when they were taped, I'm assuming the, the first round of King of Gate looked like it was taped a week before it aired, judging from social media stuff, everything after that, I have no idea when it was done.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those things that like, I try to like the, other than like the physical body changes of a couple wrestlers Then we get into it like it does feel like that these shows happened and then suddenly this was like the the relaunch uh, in a way. And then with the title belts, like Dragon Gate other than what happened with the Dream Gate and the restrapping of the Brave Gate, those were the original Triangle Gate belts. They never changed them over 15 years or 16 years. Uh the Twin Gate belts, those are the second edition ones and they were falling apart. Like I, I forget it was a uh Big Ben match, I think. that I saw like one of the faceplates completely break off of and then they had to restrap the brave gate because the brave gate strap was tearing apart and I I've seen a photo of what the what the new strapped brave gate was and they had it for only 2 years and it was already starting to kind of wear, so it was time. So, I'm not going to object to it. I think it looks a lot better than one of the other titles that had an update this week, but I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, the only big thing that I noticed and it's something that i don't think actually since you've been a fan that we've had was a brave gate tournament like we de- like they took out the faceplate that originally broke into eight pieces because the rule was and this is one of those incredibly dragon gate rules those that the faceplate would break into eight pieces each competitor and in an, an eight person tournament we get a piece and you do a single elimination tournament Winners take the losers' pieces and finally the one person remaining would have the entire faceplate and they would put it on and they would be the champion. So I can't remember the last time they did one of those. It might have been uh might have been Naoki Tanazaki. No, there was one since Naoki Tanazaki. But I know they did a Brave Gate tournament in two thousand fifteen, but I
1: don't remember if they did the faceplate gimmick or not for that. Yeah,
0: but it's like that's the only big change, they took out the gimmick. So Yeah. but But, they look good so it
1: it represents a a systematic change company-wide and i think we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we break down these cards
0: yeah so let's get into it case of course has written reviews up on voices of wrestling the first show was in kt was in kyoto kbs hall on the fourth hopeful gate is the new the new series name which you know just kind of feels right attendance was 306 of course as i mentioned earlier don't have the exact number of the percentage. I did see that Jay tweeted on Twitter that for both Kyoto and KBS, it looks like attendance maximum under these restrictions will be about 350. And Korkin will be, I think, close to 600 and if not a little under. Uh, the uh, pre-show match was Kakator defeating Hoho Loon with the Kakanui in three minutes. I thought that was a decent enough match for a match zero. I didn't really have many thoughts on it other than this felt like a match zero in front of a live crowd, and that was kind of nice.
1: Ho Ho Loon has improved dramatically since coming into Dragon Gate, but I still think it was fucked up that after months of empty arena shows, he was the first guy to come to the ring on this show. It just felt mean spirited to put him out there and sacrifice him in front of the audience. And then from the audience's perspective, it's like, is Yamato going to come out and cut this rallying the troops promo? Or are we going to have you know the generations meet in the middle of the ring no we're gonna have Ho Ho Loon come out it's just like oh god I feel so bad for everybody involved but it was a fine match other than just the horrifically awkward entrance that occurred
0: yeah that was something wow yeah it just like Ho Ho Loon staying in Dragon all year like this is a for him being natively from Hong Kong hell of a year for someone from Hong Kong to be staying out of the country and just like being the first person out in this, this will be like a trivia note in the future of who was the first person to wrestle a match against Kalkatora in the post COVID uh, uh, quarantine era. Like that's the most I can take away from this.
1: I think there's going to be probably a five-star match game question five years from now of who are the foreigners to stay in the dojo during quarantine? Because I think at this point, Jason leaves a roster guy, but Ho-Ho Loon. No,
0: he's Yeah, he's full time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ho-Ho Loon and Jimmy and, kind of Larry Dallas for a few months. And I think Martin Kirby was there. That's that's right. A pandemic retired Martin Kirby. That feels like it was forever ago, but that was this year. All of these guys toughed it out. They stayed in Japan. They stayed at the dojo. And I, just knowing how Dragon Gate operates to some extent, I think they will be rewarded for that in some, to to some extent.
0: Yeah. And then we had the match opener- it or the sh- proper show opener, Dragon Gate versus Toriyama, pretty close to one of the top teams in Dragon Gate going against Ultimo and friends is the best way to put it. Uh, KZ, K and Strong Machine J defeated the Toriyama team of Ultimo, Dragon, Dragon Kid, and Rio Saito. KZ got the mit- got the win in 12 minutes and 13 seconds with the running elbow smash. And really, uh, th- this was a solid. I give this a, a three flat on this. The opener, I gave two. I- Maxi I gave two and a half, but. Like, the, the the really, like, thing that came to me in this match was, like, this was a match that was, these guys were easing into it. Benke looks more than 115 kilos. He has to be close to 120 at this point. And there was, like, a really cool Sai rocket into the Benke spear. And I thought that was rad. And I thought this was just, like, a decent opener. I mean, easing people back into it. Ultimo, uh, Ultimo in the
1: opening match is just so much more comforting than Ultimo on the back end of the card. And it's not that he can't deliver in moments that he needs to, but when the pressure is off and there's no stakes at play, I just feel so much more comfortable having Ultimo involved in those sort of parameters on my cards. And yeah, this was a really fun match. I think you hit at the, the Sairai Rocket countered with the Ben K spear, the highlight of the match. a fun, fine. I gave it three and a quarter stars in my review.
0: Yeah, it's just it was fun to see it. And it's also fun to see like the younger generation of guys deciding just to get really swole in this. And Ben K at this point is getting the thing is is that his mobility is not hurt and he's not having the syndrome of not understanding his body, but it's something you look at him you're like, that's a side of meat walking through the ring.
1: I as long as he can move, I hope he I hope he gets bigger. Until <laughs> Until there is a mistake, until there is an accident, and then you have to overcorrect the opposite way, I encourage him to get as big as possible.
0: Yeah, no, it's tremendous. I did love the photo of them for the Okinawa shows where he—he he, everyone else is in their Hawaiian shirt. His Hawaiian shirt can't even fit him. <laughs> tremendous stuff.
1: That is a photo on my Twitter, at underscore in your case. If you want to see the Drangate generation posted up in their Hawaiian shirts, uh, may I direct you to my Twitter? It is Good content. It is actually good. It's good, clean fun.
0: It, it's <laughs> it's wholesome for the whole family. I mean, oh, I, would love to go, up. I would love to go on their Okinawa trip. I mean, are you kidding me? Like... Oh my God,
1: yes. The the Okinawa shows, they made tape in, I think, 2014. Yeah. And it was, I think, a triple shot that was spliced down to make one infinity, but then a ton of behind-the-scenes footage as well. And it was like, oh my God, this is the best company on Earth. Like, what this is... This is not only what wrestling should be, this is what life should be. It should be kicking it with Don Fuji in Okinawa. It is not that hard, and we have created a system on this earth that makes things so much more difficult than they should be.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's something that you also get the Don, uh, the Ryukyu Islands, uh, Gurken Mask on the show. So it's, it's a great time. Like Okina- The idea of like a wrestling trip to Okinawa is like such a wild thing. That, like, it's of course Dragon Gate doesn't. And I imagine you could go play like a round of golf with Naruki Doi. Like, it's. Yeah, I'd love that. I hate golf. I'd play golf with Naruki Doi. I got cut from my high school golf team because I was looking for a free athletic credit. I'm that bad at <laughs> golf. <laughs> I went to Top Golf with an ex girlfriend for her
1: father's birthday. And had never really swung a golf club before, but I, I played baseball my whole life. I was like, well, I can figure this out. But then you realize it's the same reason I can't throw a football because you throw a football and a baseball in drastically different ways. You swing a golf club and a baseball bat in complete opposite forms. That was a rough night. That was embarrassing for me and tough on my masculinity golfing as poorly as I did in a non-competitive environment that I made super tense and super competitive. I mean, Top Golf does that, though. Like, oh, completely. It's in the water. You have to. You have to gear up and be ready mentally, physically, and spiritually to go to a top golf.
0: I feel like that there is a giant racket that you can make as a physiotherapist who has an office right next to a top golf
1: yeah no i bet i bet you can that is the mike spears perspective for sure
0: <laughs> how can i scam people that's right <laughs> all right match two was a dragon gate versus red match it was punch tomonaga teaming with dragon dia against bb hulk and diamante diamante got the win with the Volta finale in 11 minutes 39 seconds on punch tomonaga Pretty much like what you expected. Diamante in the time off has like a new mask and gear that looks awesome. By the way, like his he updated his look during the time off. I thought that looked pretty rad. And you know, Diamante and Daya, I felt like had pretty solid chemistry between the two of them.
1: Yeah, not only did Diamante improve his look, he's just improved as the entire package. I no longer cringe at seeing his names on the card. His name on the card. Maybe it's because. The last few times we've seen him, he's either been in the ring with Ultimo, Dragon Kid, or Dragon Dya, which he seems to have better chemistry with those three than anybody else on the roster. I mean, he's on the roster to wrestle Ultimo, to make Ultimo look good. But outside of that, he's developed chemistry with a few guys where he can, you know, shine and make his spots look good and make the other guy's spots look good. And I think that was the, the case in this match where he and Dragon Dya played really well off of each other and BB Hulk and Punch Tamanaga were just more so there and this was, you know, fine for me in the review. I gave it two and three quarter stars. I thought it was an all right match.
0: Yeah, I went with three. You know, a lot of the the thing about these two shows were nothing was bad. There was a couple matches that teamed out at very good to me, but like this was a very consistently solid two nights of shows.
1: Very fun, very quick. I guess we could talk about this more when we go into the overview, but yeah it's just they were so simply constructed it was so nice to see it was it was so engaging that it feels disingenuous to say you could turn your mind off and watch this but if you're looking to parachute into the company or even if you just have a very casual understanding of the roster these shows are very watchable and i think you'll be able to pick up on some things and latch onto some guys as we progress into the new era of dragon gate
0: yeah yeah no that i think that's a pretty strong takeaway and then talking about new era of dragon gate we had dragon gate versus rev kota Minenora versus big r shimizu this turned out to be a little bit of a trial series for kota minora this weekend as came out he is the new recipient of the dangerous tights that was a reference that i think i made on twitter that not a lot of a lot of people thought that was kind of funny. No, they're they're actually called dangerous tights. In case you know why they're called dangerous tights, I don't know, Mike. Please explain you, it to you, me. You've heard this thrown around though before me, right? I've heard Gabe Zapolsky
1: yell "dangerous," but I have a feeling you have a different meaning.
0: So I've picked this up, I think, from Jay, and it's the idea of a guy going from like normal like pants or like shorts into the very high cut tights, like. Mm like naruki doi is like the first person to really do it when he dropped second doi and started wearing tights hyo has done it and i remember jay making a comment about that and now kota minora has done it and i mean it's a look that like he has good gear it's like a good look but it's like one of those things that you could tell like sometimes when they do like a the cut there it's like all right they're gonna try to see if they can make a heart throb out of this kid
1: yeah the gear looks good but i don't like the gear on him Because Minoru, and this is something that, you know, we just passed the two year anniversary of his debut, and he came into the company as a black tights young boy in July. I believe by September he had gear and then by September or October was in Mochizuki Dojo. So he progressed really quickly and he had the gear that was black and yellow with the gears on it. And that I'm sure that would have looked great adopted to the more Dragon Gate generation color scheme. I just think this looks too similar to what other guys on the roster have. Again, a a Doi-like figure wears tights very similar to Minoru, and I think he lost a little bit of individuality with these.
0: I think that's fair to say. I I did also see a of people throwing the Yamato Sito comped onto him wearing these tights. No, the Yamato Sito would be uh, Takedo Kamae. Yes, very much so. Very much so. But he had a 15-minute draw of Big R Shimizu, who someone that I noticed, actually a lot of people were bulking up, Bigar Shimizu is looking a little slimmed down a little bit, you know? He he's looking like that he's maybe uh took a all the way he lost went on to Bigar Shimizu or on Binke.
1: I would love to know what Shimizu was doing during quarantine cuz Oh god, it's, yes. It's not like he's cracking open a book like I've read 3 books this summer. I've never read 3 books in a summer before. My summer is not technically over yet, okay? I go back to school in August. I we know just enough about him. He's not reading War and Peace. Is that what the book's called? I think that's what the book is no, that not, is what the book's called. I, as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, God, that doesn't sound right. Um, no, War Peace is right. He's, he's not cracking up in a book. I don't feel like he's sitting down and watching the evening news. I just, and if he's not eating, because that would be the go to, is like Shimazu comes back and he's bigger than ever before, but he's not, as you said. So we've got to get to the bottom of what he spent his time doing. But while we don't know that, we do know that he went to a 15 minute time limit draw here with Menorah in a match that from what I have read, the company seemed to really like Casey in particular pointed out that he really enjoyed this match. I think from the comments of other Twitter users that I saw, I seem to be the low man on this match. Okay. It's not it's not that I don't like it. I thought the last half of the match, we'll say just because it was 15 minutes, the last 750 of the match, I'll say I really enjoyed, but it much like the other menorah match that we'll talk about, it just took so long to get to that point that I felt almost paralyzed in my star rating of like, I I don't know what to do about this because it's not like it was a classic Dreamgate match where you can overlook 10 minutes of sort of boring Matt wrestling because the last 20 are going to be so over the top and engaging and world-class that like that is the bulk of the match. This was a good match that just started so slow that I'm amazed they were able to turn it around and produce something really worthwhile and engaging out of it. But I just, I didn't like the first portion of this match at all. So I ended up giving it three stars and a few days removed from the show I'm not sure if that's too low now. I'm not sure if I need to stand by my my star rating here. I, I don't know what to make of this match, And we haven't talked about these shows at all, so I'm curious as to what you thought about it.
0: Case, this was, with the exception of the uh, Night 2 main event, my match of the weekend.
1: Wow, man, see, I, I, I got to Let me sell you on this. I, yes, please, because I, I think you already have. I think I made a mistake here, but please sell me on it.
0: So... I do think that the match against Isumu the next night was a little bit slower. I thought that this was a very subtle first seven minutes as emphasized by Minora was going on the tack on this one. He was going after Shimizu's leg and Shimizu did a lot of really subtle kind of leg and knee selling where like he'd be like working it out. Like it's not like the overwrought like I can't use my leg, but it was like he would do a move and then like he'd get up, he'd roll his ankle around, you know how people do after you like you tweak an ankle. Like he like sold it like that. And it kind of really built up into this pitch that, like, you're right. The last seven minutes were with them going completely at it. But I felt like the first seven minutes was was set up for him wearing down someone who's known as, like, being, like, the one of the premier power fighters in the company. He was like, I can't take this guy out with punches. I'm a guy who's known for my suplexes. I can't suplex him. He might be 60 pounds heavier than I am. And I felt like that, that was really kind of smart, and I thought that this was a match that, like, if he grows up and you could tell like this weekend, we will get into the major storylines going out of this when we talk about stuff going into next weekend's shows i feel like one of the big storylines that they kind of just thrown at us is is codemonor going to grow up and step up because i felt like this is a match that like i could see him grow up and it's, and he was never someone that i would put a tag like other people where i think like oh future dreamgate champion or possible like franchise player he was someone that i kind of saw as like a number two number three like a good tag team partner like this and you know if he got it together i'm like you know what maybe he could become a dream key challenger he could be a pay-per-view main eventer i'm not going to throw future ace on it but i this was a match that like, is starting to have me reassess my projection on where kota Minor might be and i thought that big r shimzu had as much as that as well with him being doing like more of a subtle powerhouse thing in that first eight minutes and then that kind of let them go full bore for the last seven
1: Coming out of these shows, Minora, with the exception of one other guy, Minora is the person that I have my eyes on for the upcoming shows we have, I guess, next week, because yeah, there's a ton of intrigue as to just the way he was booked, the way he was positioned that I think you have to pay attention to, because I think, and you mentioned the, the similar tights earlier, I think the fair comparison might be a less charismatic Naruki Doi, because if Doi did not have the just overflowing and, and overwhelming charisma that he has, he's probably not a two-time Dreamgate champion. He's probably still a multiple-time twin-gate champion, triangle-gate champion, a brave-gate champion at points, and is somebody that could challenge for the Dreamgate, but he probably doesn't win the top prize in the company unless he's able to speak the way that he does. And my understanding, and I could be wrong, but my understanding is Menorah. it's not that he's a bad promo, but he doesn't exactly light the world on fire on the mic, the way Naruki Doi does coming out of this weekend. It's certainly, I, I'm not ready for a full reevaluation of that comp, but I certainly have to look at him a little bit closer and go, okay, what is his next step? Because it is very clear. And, and he got lucky. He was not supposed to be in this match. Yosuke Santa Maria was set to square off against Shimizu. She got hurt and training. So Minora stepped in and it, coming away from the weekend it seems like they have a whole new perspective on what this guy is capable of so I'm very very curious to see where it goes from here
0: yeah and when we get into the show rundown for next week it definitely does seem like there has been a reassessment where there was not necessarily someone being fully in the cards as he was before and it's it's interesting like like you like I'm not completely changing my projection on the guy but but this was a Match and this was a weekend that I could see my mind being changed and I could see like a glimmer of like top field projection, whereas I did not see it for him before.
1: My last note on this match is ultimately Minor's really good and we've known that for a long time. Again, he progressed really, really quickly on the undercards. Right. He just happens to be a, in a time in the company where Shun Skywalker and to an extent UT and Kaito Ishida have just blown the, the normal way we think of progression out of the water. They've completely reframed how guys elevate up the cards and how they deliver and this and that. So he's almost wrong place, wrong time, because I think if Minora comes in even two years earlier in the Watanabe, in the Shun Skywalker, in the... uh. Oh, man, I can't think of the other guys in that Korokan tag match. There's the one guy that had the eye issues that didn't wrestle much. What was his name?
0: Uh, Kats- Katsumi Takashita.
1: Kats- yeah, you might care the best. That's why we I think do it was the Katsumi, podcast. I, I... K- No, ta- Katsumi Takashima is exactly it. I think if he would have come in there, Minoru had the basics down quicker than Skywalker did or Yo did. I think maybe even faster than Yuki Oshioca did, but he's just now at the wrong place at the wrong time where there are guys his generation that just have figured stuff out and have progressed rapidly up the card. So not in terms of his booking, because I think he is respected, but in terms of the way we look at him, he's fallen out of favor just by comparison, not by performance.
0: Kasumi Takashima, not Takashita. I, yes I, okay I, yeah, yeah yeah i i had to correct that i but yes those is katsumi takashita shima yeah but no it's interesting because he did he and it's because like the people that he like debuted around were soon after you had Daya, and then six months later he had strong machine j and he was just kind of there and i think that, that that was like a huge takeaway for me in a lot of ways about him and then now, uh, now with uh, Skywalker and Yoshioka in Mexico, and with everyone else kind of doing things, it kind of is his time to see what kind of he is, you know? Absolutely, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, the next match we had was, usually this would have been like, and it did feel like your pre-intermission main event. It was a tag match of Yamato and Kai versus the uh, Mochizuki team of Masaki Mochizuki and Susumi Yokosuka, formerly Susumu Mochizuki, and Yamato got the pin on Masaki Mochizuki. And something that like I've kind of been taking away from this over like the last few months is, it does seem like that Masaki Mochizuki, as he's doing a little bit more with pro wrestling, no, I don't think that he's going to leave. It just does seem like that he's now kind of taking the step back. And that was something that I kind of felt like in this match that i thought this was a really fun match yamato got the pin on mochizuki in 13 minutes and five seconds with the Frankensteiner of almighty and i thought that this was a pretty a uh i thought this was kind of funny like that they all started to cape uh um uh kenji muto of course kai being a muto student and misaki mochizuki now teaming with kenji and pro wrestling no i thought that was kind of funny
1: i don't I don't think it's fair to say that Mochizuki is being phased out in any sort of long-term way. Right, but I just think focus is yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, I. yeah. And I mentioned this in the review. There's no canonical reason for this match to happen because Susumu is Toriyama generation and Mochizuki is not. Mochizuki's unaffiliated, so he was obviously slated in NOAA at the start of the year, won the tag titles on the first NOAA show of the year. How long he was supposed to be at Noah? who knows, because obviously they're booking plans just like everybody else's got, you know, blown up and destroyed and, you know, in some cases forgotten about. But yeah, Mochizuki's has become a featured player in Noah. It's a shame that Noah has the worst empty arena presentation there is. And besides that, I'm not exactly pumped to watch pro wrestling Noah in 2020 anyways, so where Mochizuki is making tape maybe more than Dragon Gate this year, not in terms of matches wrestled, but in terms of matches aired. It's a shame that I'm not watching a ton of it, but yeah, no, this was fun. It's the first time Mochizuki and Susumu have teamed together in two years. They teamed on the January 2018 Corkin, which had the Desmond Xavier-Zachary Wentz versus Bandito-Flamita match, which gained a whole bunch of Western eyeballs at the time. I don't know. Well, I guess there's been POC matches. POC Casey probably got as much Western attention as that, but it was nice to see them team again. It's always nice to see Kai and Yamato, who have just developed bizarrely good chemistry. And I talked earlier about Diamante and how he's improved, and I should probably stop saying it because I feel like I've said it a lot recently, but Kai is fun to watch in its weird... And it's weird that he has a Dragon Gate Generation T-shirt. Like, again, Mochizuki, who has put this company on his back and has crawled for this company, when the, when the generational warfare came in, Mochizuki was like, you know what? I'm not a Toriumon guy. I'm gonna step away from the spotlight. Kai, who showed up as Shingo's friend two years ago, said, "Give me that Dragon Gate Generation T-shirt. I am Dragon Gate." It has proceeded to have a really fun year at the company, and this match was much of the same.
0: You, you know what was the real turning point with me and Kai and Dragon Gate? What was that? It was him teaming with UT, like that. Yeah, that was like the thing. I was like, "All right, we have like these two kind of goofy." Like they're in Tribe Vanguard, but not really like fully in Tribe Vanguard. I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is a great time, and I was like having a great time with it. And he's just kind of like he seems like everyone likes him. Everyone he seems like he's an absolute sweetheart, which you know is one of my highest uh, forms of praise <laughs> is to call someone an absolute sweet- sweetheart. And he has like this very like him and Yamato like doing like the end ring promo at the end of the uh, second show felt very like you know what like there's a little bit like of how yoshi doi oh doi yoshi always have like the kind of charming like back and forth chemistry these two kind of have it too he fits in there and i do love the king of freedom t-shirt that he has
1: think about all of just the bad luck that kai has had in his career i mean wrestle one was supposed to be built around kai and that obviously didn't work out he's a Mudo trainee who has just never really amounted to anything. Before coming to Drangate, his, his be- biggest success might have been you cheering him at the House of Glory show when he was desperately confused as to what was happening. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy that just couldn't get over anywhere he went. I hated him coming into Drangate because you have to remember, other than Shingo's final match in the company where he lost to BB Hulk, Shingo's final singles match in Drangate was a loss to Kai at Dangerous Gate 2018, and a match that was pretty bad. And Kai came in teaming with Hiroshi Yamato, and i they were just working corkens for a while, and I did not like that team. I didn't think they brought anything to the table. I didn't like their chemistry with one another. Yamato, Hiroshi Yamato sort of fizzled out. I don't remember the last time we saw him. And Kai, on the other hand just seems like he loves wrestling for Gate. and it is genuinely heartwarming to see and it's nice to see a guy who has taken a ton of shit throughout his entire career it is nice to see him have a platform where he seems to be pushed respected and most importantly he seems to be enjoying it
0: it is a really nice story when you think about it kai succeeding in Gate. and you know it's just one of those things it, it's heartwarming seeing like how he is like I was more into Hiroshi Yamato when he came in because he was kind of charming. He was bad, but he was charming. And like, I yeah, had,
1: had the entrance that at least got him over in Cork, and whereas Kai had nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, Kai, maybe it is that everyone said everyone's sick with him or stick with him, and then he finally kind of uh, completely uh, stuck together, and I think that's really great. You know, I love Kai now. A big Kai fan. Do not regret making him feel awkward at House of Glory for cheering for him vehemently. <laughs> and speaking of of things that i i am not ashamed of loving match five dragon gate versus red we have the we have the kisuke akuda jason lee team that's been getting a lot of time together over the last few weeks going up against kaido Ishida and kazuma sakamoto and then and then the 2020 feud of the year has taken another turn and it's a very interesting one as in 10 minutes and 15 seconds uh Akaido Ishida got the pin on Jason Lee after an accidental high kick from Kiske Akuda. In case I know the two of us have been waving this flag here, but this is the most interesting thing going on in wrestling today.
1: It is a stunningly good feud that feels like old school in the way it's been built. Like I feel like we are getting angles out of Akuda and Ashida. I mean, they're an empty arena brawl on the March 22nd show which is the Fun Empty Arena show. I still think top to bottom the March 22nd Empty Arena show is the best Empty Arena wrestling there's been. AEW has had some good output, New Japan has obviously had some good output. I've heard good stuff from All Japan. I still think 322 is the best that's come to Empty Arena presentation and part of that was the Akuta Sheita brawl that just felt completely foreign to anything Drangy typically does. It felt violent and it felt urgent, and it felt intense. And since then, they have built this feud that is just delightful. And this is by no means a great match, but it was a great piece of storytelling on the road to, I think, what has to be, Akuda beating Ashida for the Brave Gate title. But Mike, I will ask you the question: Ashida seems to have a change of change of heart. He he doesn't hate Kaisuke Akuda as much as now. He wants him to join Red. Mike, do you see that happening?
0: You know, I love this turn. This is, it might be because of, in USA, we're in 2011 now, and that's the height, we're getting to the height of, like, Blood Warriors and the constant turning there. I love that this doubt's put in here, and of course he's teaming with Jason Lee, and he's been kind of, like, sadly for Jason Lee, seems like him teaming with Kiske Akuda's is being more trouble than it's worth, you know? A lot like, there's all kinds of shenanigans, he gets kicked in the head, it just seems like the real thing, but... Could I see Okuda turning and joining RED? I think it'd be very interesting. I don't know. I I don't think that adding Okuda to RED would do anything else other than be interesting when RED has bigger problems at hand.
1: I think it would be deflating because I really think the way to cap off this feud is. Akuda in the ring with the Brave Gate belt over his head. I am salivating for not only that image, but for that match. Like that is what needs to come of all this. It's been built so well thus far, and it's not that I don't trust Dragon Gate. If they do turn him to do a good turn, to have an interesting angle, to make it effective, it's just not what I want. I am ready to see Akuda choke this kid out, get his title and move on to the next challenger. I think that is the much better story in this feud, and I think that
0: is what will happen. I think that's what will happen. I do think though if you if you turn Akuda, then you could have Ben K versus Akuda. You could have
1: Ben K versus Akuda, and that is very interesting for a number of reasons, mainly the fact that they are shoot best friends. They have I guess, prior pro wrestling experience with one another, it would be fascinating. But I also think you have the next decade to do that match. I don't think you need that's it fair. in this story right now. It would be interesting. I'd like to see it, but not as, as much as I'd like to see Akuda
0: eventually outlast and outfight that, that That's a fair point. That's a fair point. But this is a storyline that I'm going to be excited to see go on. I'm glad they didn't drop it. Like, there was a chance that after the Brave Gate match that could have been it. And again this is the best thing that like they were able to do this in empty arena shows and keep this feud really hot that i mean i'm excited to see what could happen like with how the lineups are coming out here could maybe have a rematch in wakayama like there's a lot of places that can go with this that'd be really stoked about so getting to the main event this was of course doi yoshi and x versus ada yoshida and Hio, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while you would know that X ended up being Shuji Kondo, making his return to the Dragon Gate ring. Later, we'd know that he is an official Dragon Gate roster member, and he's finally home after 16 years and a lot of consternation. And, you know, this is a really the big piece from Igoniso coming back, and he's teaming with his generational peers, uh, Naruki Doi, Masato, Yoshino, against the R.E.D. team. The fall, if I was going to tell you case beforehand, so we're going to get Doi, Yoshi, and Kondo versus Ada, Yoshida, and Hiyo. What would you book for to be the, the uh, result there?
1: I, I, You know I like Yo. I think he's a nice guy. Yo would be eating that pen from a King Kong Lariat with no hesitation for me. I, I've got the pencil, and that is what I've decided to book, and luckily, the powers that be, the pencil pushers in Drangate, decided
0: the same fate. Absolutely. 14 minutes and 12 seconds for the King Kong Lariat, and Boy, it's something where hyo flew around like saying like, "Oh, Big Brother's coming back. I need to make sure Big Brother looks good here." And that was like my huge takeaway, and it just really made Kondo as like the premier power fighter of the generation coming in and just throwing people around. It was exactly what I wanted to. Getting to Yoshida's face the next night, he, him, and Benkei had a lot of face-offs, and boy. My rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So you were a fan of his output. You think he looked good this weekend. I felt like, you, you know, uh, you can never beat time. That's the only game in town that everyone loses. But, you know, for a 40 years old, I felt like that he fit in there. And I mean, like, it, there's going to be bumps in the road and there is him like readjusting to the house style. Like, Russell 1 did have a quick pace, but it was not the Dragon Gate house pace. And I felt like that he acquitted himself well, and I'm interested to see where he can go here. This isn't like where other people have come back. I'm like, all right, I've seen him go away.
1: Yeah, Kondo's 42. And I think the rep for him for a few years now has been that he's slowed down and his best days are behind him. And I think both of those points are fair. And I, I started racking my brain of like, okay, when was the last time Kondo outside of Drangate where he's been very good since he came back last January and had a match with Mochizuki that I I kind of think, you know, 18 months removed is maybe underrated a little yeah. bit. He had a great match at the February Corkin, seemingly 20 years ago, but it was only five months ago. But if you look at his work, mainly in wrestle one is where he's been doing his damage. And I M, the biggest proponent of the initial strong hearts run in wrestle one. I think the back half of 2018 is the most exciting, engaging and creative work Shima has ever done. And part of that was the fact that he was wrestling Shuji Kondo in multi-man tags on a nearly monthly basis and Kondo and Shima had not touched Since 2004, when Kondo left the company, that was super interesting. So we got a little bit of Kondo stuff there that was intriguing. The year before, he and Kotaro Suzuki wrestled in the All Japan Junior Tag League, where they came across Masaki Mochizuki and Shun Skywalker, and they had a great match together. But it it felt like we were a few years removed from Kondo doing anything really that great. It almost felt like he was living off of his legacy at this point, rather than the reality that we were living in after watching Kondo in these two matches this weekend. I am so excited for what is to come with him and dragon gate, because you've got to remember, I mean, he was gone from the end of 2004. He did not wrestle in 2005 and he did not wrestle in the company until 2019 and all of his reunion, all of his 2019 matches were reunion affairs. And they were with, you know, either Mochizuki or other Toriumon guys. And he never really had prolonged sequences or spotlight tags, you know, with other wrestlers. And now he has got an entirely new roster to tear apart. I mean, we're talking, he is generations, plural. He is generations removed from the Gate trainees that have come up since he left. I think he's got... Great chemistry waiting ahead of him with Yamato and KZ. And I think he and Kai being two guys that have made their career for the most part outside of the Dragon system at this point. I think he and Kai have great chemistry. I'm so excited to see what he and Dragon Diet can do. We saw on the next night that he really held his own against Jason Lee. And then you've got all of these R.E.D. guys. The guys here I thought he looked really good against. I mean, Takashi Yoshida, Looked completely invigorated and so excited to have somebody to bounce off of, to have another monster that he could work with. So I went from being excited at the prospect of Kondo, I guess, re-debuting with the company, to leaving this weekend thinking, oh my god, Dragon Gate has done it again. They have a chance to reinvent Shuji Kondo for one last great run. And that is what I came away thinking in this match and that it was backed up the following night.
0: And I think the other big thing about Shuji Kondo is that we know that there's one big thing that they should do with him down the line that could be massively invigorating and could be a Dreamgate run out of him. Like, I could see a way that they built him into someone getting like the last big heel run of his career, you know? like I completely agree. Yeah, so that was, that was the show on July 4th. The show on July 5th had a little bit more people there. The announced attendance for uh, July 4 was 3.06. The announced attendance for July, July 5 was 3.15. Opened up with, again, where I say, like, focus is being pulled here. Misaki Mochizuki versus Jimmy in the opener. Mochizuki won in 4 minutes and 44 seconds with his, wh- what are they called? Are they called the Team M or the M's? And it, Well, it, he did a Shining Wizard. He did Muto's move on Jimmy. I believe they are called the M's, Okay, and it is
1: Mochizuki, Marafuji, Muto in a fourth that does not belong in that group, but I guess they needed somebody to take falls, but I can't think of who that fourth person is. Mike, while you're looking that up, um, I will say real quick, this match with Jimmy and Mochizuki as fun of a five minute match as you could have, because Jimmy came out of the gates, charging at Mochizuki Really wanted to stick it to the to the legend, wanted to get a win at match zero over Mochizuki, who we just talked about. He's been splitting his time in between Drang8 and Noah. Maybe his maybe his eye isn't on the prize. Maybe the fact that he's a match zero, he's gonna have the night off. And Jimmy took it to him, and Mochizuki could not put the 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 DTU import away. Finally at the four-minute mark, uh Mochizuki gets the call. There's one minute left before the time limit. And goes into to overdrive and has to do everything in his ability to beat Jimmy. And he pulls out the Shining Wizard at the end with 15 seconds left to spare. Such a fun match. Highly recommended if you either skipped over it or have not seen it yet. Yuko Miyamoto. <laughs> yeah, not exactly Masaki Mochizuki, but more power to him.
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, this was a blast. This was basically cranky old man Mochizuki and, you know, Jimmy. I mean, if you're going to be around for a while, you're going to have to have one of these matches with Mochizuki. And you know, I feel like he equipped himself well. Well, I like this opener a lot more than the, the Hoho Luna Kagatora one. So the proper open to the show was a eight man tag, one of the only eight man tags of the the only eight man tag of the weekend actually. And it was a mixed teams match of Ultimo Dragon, Don Fuji, Gamma, and Kinto Kabune. What did those four guys talk about? <laughs> going up against uh, the R.E.D. team of Kaido Ishida, Takashi Yoshida, Diamante, and Kazuma Sakamoto. Yoshida put away Kabune with the cyber bomb in 12 minutes and one second. And I'm a- I'm going to propose something to you that I don't think will ever happen again. Because it seems like they're never going to do one of these again. Summer Adventure Tag League team of Don Fuji and Kento Kabune. Where the offense is-, is Don Fuji basically throwing Kabune into things. And by the way, happy 50th birthday, Don Fuji.
1: Happy 50th birthday. Let me try that again. Happy 50th birthday to fellow train enthusiast Don Fuji. Uh, We salute you. Choo-choo. Yes. This match started out, and I did not notice this watching it live. It was a gif that pointed this out to me, that I thought Kabune had gone crazy and attacked Yoshida by his own volition, and the Yumon guys were like, what the fuck is this kid doing? <laughs> it is, which is it a super funny way to start a match, and I think they should do that spot at some point. But instead, Don Fuji whips Kabune into Takashi Yoshida. Kabune looks scared and terrified, and again, the Toriyuman guys are like, what oh god we we're, uh, we're not going to help the kid it, it ended up becoming <laughs> it ended up becoming a super fun match i fully support the idea of a fuji kabune summer Adventure tag league team i when when Mo Shizuki, this was 2016 Mochizuki teamed with Futa Nakamura at the time now ben k they teamed in a summer Adventure tag league and i i think we got like three out of the four matches that were supposed to make tape, but Nakamura got concussed and I think cost us one match that was supposed to air, which sucked because that was a really fun team and the, I guess, limited capacity, the, the limited interactions that they had with one another. That was also the summer adventure tag league where Cork and Hall was under construction. So they ran a double header and I believe Shinkaba first ring. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. And those were, that was a, those were fun shows. There was a lot of stuff on there that just felt different and out of the ordinary from what Drangit typically did. And in a way, this match uh, felt the same way. And as I pointed out on my Twitter, I think it was the Open the Voice gate winner, actually. Diamante, for no reason at all, did the Chris Hamrick bump where he just <laughs> flung himself from the ring to the flat back bump on the floor in the opening match on a limited capacity show. There was no reason to do this, but he earned my respect because it looked
0: so painful. I, I feel like that we should develop an award for people just wilding out on a, sh- a match is just for whatever reason since now we're gonna we have all these shows back that people just get like a wild hair of being in front of crowds this was like the wild match of the weekend of just people doing things a lot of just like people feeling feeling themselves like just going at it and you know for a match that normally i'd be like well this could be a little bit of slog this ended up being a lot of fun and it's like you don't necessarily have to be a great match to be a lot of fun i feel like that's what this was
1: the Diamante bump reminded me of, I think it's Daga's first match in the company. Oh, God. Yes. And I don't I don't remember what the spot was. I just remember, Mike, we lost our minds watching this because he ends up taking like a shoot flat, flat back bump to the floor. On a move that I don't, I don't feel like he was supposed to end up there, but he just fully went for it. And dude, it was insane. You know, it was, do, you, do you remember what the move was? Cause
0: I don't, I just remember the bump being completely like unnecessary, but also incredible. You see what my memory was, was that he did a house show to the outside and no one was there
1: maybe that was it
0: like, like he did like the standard just tope over the top ropes a like slingshot yeah, over the top rope I and just fell flat on the mats was just... he
1: did a dive where just no one just no water in the pool as, as Don <laughs> west would say but it was it was violent. it was, <laughs> it was, was unbelievable i can't believe he didn't earn a job just for that it's a shame he didn't because i want to watch that bump
0: all the time i'm gonna like try to see where i can find that match because i just just giffing that just would, just gives me a level of catharsis that I think we need in these times. It's just like one that more like, what the fuck are you thinking, Daga?
1: What is wrong
0: with you? And maybe that's why he's not back is because people are like, what is wrong with you? You it's did this.
1: Like, it's, like a, it's like a a health hazard. It is, it's not that he's going to hurt anybody. It's, he's going to hurt himself and Dranky is going to be liable because he was out of his mind on that tour. Yeah. I mean, the yeah he was out
0: of his mind uh match two was kota minora in his mini series this time against asumi Yokosuka, another 15 minute draw this was the match where i did really feel like that it was really really slow um sl- just really slow pace and it felt like they had an empty arena match they would have at lapis hall in front of a live crowd
1: I feel the same way about this one that I did uh, the Shimizu match from the day before. Again, I really liked the closing stretch of this. I think these are two guys that have now established that they have really good chemistry with one another, but they sat in a chokehold for seemingly the longest time. And it was just like, all right, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. But it should be noted just to reiterate our point from earlier. Shimizu is yes, dumb, but Shimizu is protected and has been a champion in this company. Susumu so, Yokosuka is currently the All-Japan Junior Heavyweight Champion. It is, is not a guy that takes falls all that much. I mean, he is on the upper echelon of protected guys within this company. No, Minoru did not beat either of them, but he also didn't lose to either of them. And that, two nights in a row, should be looked at as a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, no, it's something where something's going to happen with him. It's going to be one of those like slow-simmering storylines, but something I'm going to be really excited to see how it plays out match three was another singles match this one was with ginky hork gucci and keisuke Akuda. Akuda got the win in 10 minutes and five seconds with his lights out gts and night two of the uh, curious tale of Ishida and Akuda as keisuke Akuda or keisuke Ishida, but uh, kaito Ishida came out ringside and for a while he just went around looked like he was like looking for his t-shirt and then in the closing stretch, he distracted the referee. I think it was uh, Mr. Nakagawa was the referee for this match, but whoever was distracted the referee that allowed uh, uh, Horaguchi was it like a uh, low blow into the lights out? Like like Okuda cheated to win this match.
1: Yeah, it was. I I don't remember the exact move that ended up hurting Horaguchi prior to the finish, but it was something like that
0: yeah and you know this was just like this match itself was not that great. i felt like I felt like this was fine. I felt like this was a lot of kind of uh just back and forth and then i the one the one crowd thing this whole weekend was or gucci was going to do his rubber band attack he <laughs> the only time I noticed people going out into the crowd was Giki gucci with the rubber band that was it. And like I said on Twitter, there was something
1: oddly comforting about knowing that in a, in a COVID-infested world, the yellow band attack still happens. It is the normalcy we've all been looking for.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and other than that, I didn't have any really big takeaways with that one. So unless you have anything else, let's move on to where the next three matches, there was a lot of stuff going on here. No,
1: just quickly on Horiguchi Okuda, unfortunately, did not live up to my lofty expectations yeah. that all Genki Horiguchi singles matches do. And that's that's my fault. That is not Horaguchi's fault because I see him in a singles match. I'm like, well, this, this is got to be four and a half stars. Are you kidding me? It's Genki Horaguchi. It never happens, but that's not his fault. But what follows, oh, man, we were, we were on track to four and a half stars and it just didn't happen. Take it away, Mike.
0: All right. Match four was the which was my most anticipated match of this weekend. Was KZ and Dragon Daya versus Masato Yoshino and Naruki Doi Doi Yoshi speed muscle for one of the last times, probably ever, sadly. And it went to a no contest because after 12 minutes and five seconds, there was RAD interference. And this was after like a match that I still went three and a half stars on. I know you did not apply ratings because of the no, no contest, but this was a match that probably could have hit four and a half stars like it was getting to that stretch where like the next eight minutes or the next four minutes would have been insane and that was like i was like oh man red you got me here i was so stoked for it i imagine that the fans in kyoto and in japan were that way as well because this got really really cool because we got cranky old bet that yoshino bossing around dragon Daya and then just really started just kicking up from there
1: i was sitting on my couch with a rockstar energy in one
0: hand. And a twi- it <laughs> Buddy, if you're going to drink an energy drink, don't drink a rockstar. This taste no, terrible. That's,
1: I, I, I like the way they taste. It is, it is my go-to energy drink, which I only drink when I'm... God, what a sad sentence. I only drink energy drinks when I'm watching Japanese wrestling live. <sighs> okay, now that we've got through that, I was sitting there with my rockstar and my Twizzlers... And I was cracking open the spreadsheet document. I was like, this this is not only four stars. How high are we gonna go with this? I was so into this match. How can you not and then, be? And then RED ran in, and it, it it's not it's not bad because I mean I, I, I get it. You don't want to pin Doi, obviously, you don't want to pin Yoshino, obviously. KZ and Daya are now very much protected. I get it. And it's not that they booked themselves into the corner, into a corner. I think this was done very intentionally, but oh man, had we had a finish to this match, wrestling was going to be back, baby. I was firing up the tweets. I was firing up the, the sub tweets, more importantly at the people that continue to ignore Drangate. I was loving what these guys were doing about
0: to slide into Joe Lanza's DMs to say, watch this as soon as you wake up. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I absolutely know. And Joe's I mean. going
1: to be like, where do I watch it? And then we have to, you know, coach him through the internet once again, because he still struggles with the internet as a whole, but Oh my God, this was going to be one of those matches. I mean, God, the flagship could have talked about this instead of, I'm sure two a W had some show this week. That's going to bump Gate off the flagship again. I mean, this, <laughs> we are, we are living in a society where Dragate is treated unfairly. And there is a seemingly a system in place to make sure that Drangate is held down. And it's so frustrating because they put on matches like this. And I don't even have an issue with the interference at the end. It was just minorly disappointing
0: given that we were really on our way to having a really great match. And it was something that, like, the chemistry was there. You had the... Uh... The aura that Doi Yoshi, because I know that there are a lot of Doi Yama fans out there and totally understand Doi Yama had the best twin gate reign of all time. But the idea of seeing Naruki Doi and Masato Yoshino in the ring as a tag team for, I don't expect there to be, because all indications are that Yoshino is still going to retire this year, maybe four or five more times. And we got that ripped away from us. And good booking to get everyone so mad at R.E.D. for this. I have to say, like, thumbs up there, but it just was like, oh, man, this could have been it. And that was really heartbreaking in a way that a 34-year-old should not be heartbroken about wrestling.
1: No, it was very... it was. I think it was good booking in the end because it made me hate R.E.D., and it made me want to see them get their ass kicked in the main event.
0: Yeah, no, it was excellent in that regard. So, then we had a match that everyone was... There was a lot of speculation here, so let's do a little bit of a uh, quick timeline. So, we had kondo makes return in the first night however he said i'm back i'm gonna be a member of Tori mon generation he dyed his hair blue which kind of made him look like a 42 year old kenshin chicano which i thought was kind of amusing and but he said he would refuse to the team with dragon Kid because that's no good because the last time he was in a dragon gate ring as a dragon gate like big star and his big feud was almost killing dragon kid and ripping off his mask and those two never have teamed he said no someone else will be x that's not going to be me and then he stayed the night in the dojo for the first time in 16 years. And they played it out on social media to a way I was like, oh, this is going to be the, this is going to be the swerve that I've been calling for the last month case. This is going to be it. We're going to get Kondo in there, and he's going to turn there, and, or it's going to be someone else. And then the next night, we had Benkei and Jason Lee were already in the ring. Dragon Kid was in the ring. They made a tease that it was going to be a Rio Saito, which I was like, all right, come on. Then after some microphone work, we had, come on, let's hear this funky shit. And then... (laughs) We had Kondo Teaming for the first time ever with Dragon Kid. As Dragon Kid and Kondo defeated Binkai and Jason Lee in 13 minutes and 4 seconds with the King Kong Lariat.
1: The rampant speculation of who this X was going to be...
0: Oh, I went places.
1: It it should be looked at as a banner moment, I guess, for what would be considered Dragon Gate Twitter. Because... It had never occurred to Mike or I that X would be possibly a different person. There would be two X's in the weekend. And I was still holding on to the idea that, like, no, it's going to be Kondo, and they're going to swerve. And again, like, he's going to attack Drang Kid. Like, I understand what they're trying to do, but I think it's going to be Kondo. And then uh, much like the rest of the people we talked to that night, we all got caught up in, well, who could X be? Is it Sugi? It's, I mean, uh, Magnum That's... Tokyo can barely walk. It can't be him. Like, we were doing just the math because no one really made sense. There's no one outside of the company that has has a relationship with Dragon Kid the way that Shuji Kondo does. And so we were just racking our brains with, with who it could possibly be. I know you were the clubhouse leader on the Sugi campaign, but this reminded me of... The night of Strong Machine J's press conference, his yes. debut press conference, where we find out an hour before the press conference occurs, Dragate's holding an emergency press conference. And we're still a year out from Shima splitting at this point. We're going, Oh fuck, is Yamato gone? Is the company closing? What is happening? And then the Strong Machine J press conference. It was supposed <laughs> to start I think it was supposed to start at eleven central time. Yeah, I was standing up for this and started like an hour late to a point that I went to bed and I, I had Mike stay up to figure out what was happening. But I'm reading translated tweets from like the hardcore Dragon Gate fans in Japan that I follow that are like, "This is bullshit." The press conference was supposed to start at this time, and it's not. And they were getting upset. And then there was still that mystery of nobody knew what this was about, and it was very scary. Nobody knew what was going on, and then they just signed Shock Machine J, and now it's <laughs> it's fine. But it was that level of like paranoia, and like. Like, what could this be? It Shuji Kondo has to be X, nobody
0: else. It can't be Sugi. It was bizarre. I, I mean, I'll run down a list of people I had on this that I tweeted about. Sugi, which would be like if someone was gonna come in as a surprise, Sugi's on top of my list. Like I would love to see he could be little dragon again. That could have fit. You know? Like there's nothing there, but then again, it's also Sugi. And then I like started like listing off people like Taru, uh, Tanyan, uh Taru Awashi, Kenoka. And then I kind of was like, oh, wait, the funniest thing here would be, Mag- would be Magnum Tokyo, which was never going to happen. So it was Kondo. It was kind of like a nice thing. And this turned out to be a really fun match. And then really was one of the matches that I was like, all right, this is what Shuji Kondo is going to be like in Dragon Gate. And that further gave me confidence that like, having him back is the right move, both for him and for the company.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was great to see. Like I said earlier, Shuji Kondo... We obviously know that he can run in to Ben K and to Takashi Yoshida. He can run into them at full speed. That's not going to be the issue. What I was curious to see was how he can hang with somebody like Jason Lee. And my God, could he hang with Jason Lee? I mean, he bumped and fed for Lee's offense, I thought, incredibly well. And then after that, you know, he does his damage and looks dominant. And I, I just... I come away from this weekend. I talk about it in the July fourth review of the first show of the weekend, just how big of a deal it is that Kondo was back in the company because it it almost it almost seemed more impossible for Altimo to come back because condo you know needed work and, and and always just bounced around. and i I don't know, like Ultimo coming back, we never thought we'd see it. But does that make sense that Kondo almost felt a little bit more improbable? Like, yeah, no, like he's got his spot in Wrestle 1 or All Japan or DDT, wherever he's working. And for him to come back, it just proves that we are living in a new generation of the company, that the culture change seemingly behind the scenes has led to increased positivity, and it just seems like a better environment. The company seems happy. I'm just... I'm thrilled that Kondo's back. And again, I go into a little bit more of the July 4th review that I, I, I would recommend uh, reading if you do not know the full story behind Shuji Kondo and his exit in 2004. But this was just fun. It was just fun to see him back in the company.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why Kondo coming back was always the question mark among Agoniso was, so Sugawara came back pretty quickly when you look at the, the scheme of things. He came back in 2009. We had... Uh, we had Yashi, who was pretty much in and out of wrestling for a while. He's still someone that can best be called a part-timer with Dove Pro and then does do some Dragon Gate things. He came back with, like, Monster Express and then joined for Zerk. And then you, ha- you have uh, Shogo Takagi, who basically has been retired and came out to wear the gloves and get jet punches, and that was it. And then Toru Washi. There's been interaction between Dragon Gate and Toru Washi. Shuji Kondo had a very fractured exit, to my understanding. He was someone that I remember watching this video of the JoJo that was affiliated with Wrestle One, where people were like going in there for training, and they they try to portray Wrestle One's wrestling school at that time kind of as a lot like Animal Hamaguchi that this was like a place to get you into the into the system you want to be. And someone brought up bringing saying, "Oh, oh, I dream of being a Dragon Gate wrestler," and the look on Sushi Kondo's face looked like that he'd rather be dead than be there at that moment. <laughs> like, do you remember this clip? Like, or do you remember like? People no, about I, don't,
1: it. I don't think I've seen this. I, I don't remember it, but I certainly believe it.
0: So, like, him coming back in, like, this era of, I, for lack of better words, of, like, kind of a family that's been built up and a commune is always a term that's thrown around to describe the company. And this definitely kind of felt like that. And it's just great. It, it's one of those things that, like, after turning off the show and after, especially after the first night, like, seeing Shiji Kondo back, like, it was, it was not, like, just, like, an exhale out of, okay, that went well as exhale. of Like, no, that felt right. Like, this felt right, and it was great that he came back as X, having him in Dragon Gate team, and then having a really fun tag match out of it. And then a really fun main event to follow. A great main event. This was Dragon Gate versus RED. Pretty much the RED top team of Ata, BB Hulk, and Big R Shimizu, going up against close to the Dragon Gate top team of Yamato Kai and Strong Machine J. There was some misfires in the main event as bb hulk got kicked in the face with an imperial uno which let yamato get a flash pin in 12 minutes and three seconds this was really really uh th- this was really really spirited and then i thought that it was uh the thing that really got me here is we've talked about like strong machine J last year like how was he going to transition out of doing like his dad's homage gimmick and he felt like a main eventer here and like that yeah. was remarkable
1: yeah, I, I feel confident about Strong Machine J now. I mean, he still needs to be he, he's in the reps. ring. He, he needs to be in the ring with the right people, because if this is Ata and Yo and Yoshida, he probably doesn't have the same output that he does here. But no, I I, I have long past my fears of Strong Machine J working outside of the Strong Machine gimmick. I thought this was a superb performance from Yamato. This is, uh, you know, I've talked about on the show for the past month about just how cold I was on Yamato for so many years. And now I am back in the holy shit. This is one of the best wrestlers in the world because he's, he's acting like it. And he's got this approach that I just love. And I'm so excited to see him in the ring right now. And I thought he was head and shoulders above everyone in this match. Four stars. It's my match of the weekend. It's only a 12-minute main event. It's really compact and quick and fast-paced. It's how they should have ended the weekend. Really, really enjoyed this.
0: Yeah, I went three and three quarters, like, just a shade off it. It was something that if it had a little bit more time, I probably would have made it notebook. But I I really enjoyed it. It just was, like, a fast-paced match. Like, after, like, the first few matches on these shows, felt like them all easing into it. This felt like a Dragon Gate main event. Strong Machine J, like, after the show, like, I usually don't take matches take notes about post-show but strong machine j seems to be like a good promo and everyone seems to be responding to him and rumor is he's a quite a hunk without the mask on so maybe strong machine j is the person we should be talking about maybe having the main event uh possible dream gate kind of aspirations instead of Kota Menonora.
1: possibly possibly i think that is a fair point mike that is the end of the first two shows of the new era the I guess COVID era of shows with fans, but it is not all in terms of these shows making tape because there's a, there's a house show on January 10th in uh, Nagoya, UT's hometown. UT of course, as we talked about last week is hurt and will not be on the show. That show uh, is not taped i should mention there is a kaisuke Akuda and kinta kabune versus kaito Ishida and takashi yoshida tag that looks really fun but we have two shows upcoming that will air in the as- osaka ideon arena number two the smaller osaka arena on july 12th which is this upcoming sunday and then july 15th tokyo cork and hall as of now this show is set to not only occur, but to have fans. There's been a slight uptick in COVID cases in Tokyo. So as of the time we're recording this, it's maybe a little up in the air, but right now all signs are a go. Mike, let's break down these two cards.
0: Yeah, and there is a lot to be excited about this. you want me to take the wheel on this?
1: Yeah, run down Osaka, and then we can kind of give our overall thoughts here.
0: All right, Osaka, it is a hopeful gate show. 6 p.m. Japanese Standard Time, that would be 5 a.m., for Eastern Standard Time and then eight central or, or almost said five five AM four central. I think that is uh ten uh British or in meantime i don't uh, that
1: i'll take your word for sure. it sure
0: yeah if i'm wrong i apologize all
1: right sorry alan blackstock we don't know the exact translations that's a twitter reference from about four <laughs> years ago sorry i made that joke on the podcast mike go ahead break down these Osaka all right. show.
0: exhibition match opener kento kabune teaming with hoho loon versus jimmy and case your boy masahiro in a way in the opener we are in the pre-show six man tag uh we have ben k strong Machine J, and the bros are back together as they go against Yujushi, Kanda, Ryo Saito, and Gamma. Singles match, Don Fuji versus Sora Fujikawa. Hey, Sora. First time we've seen you in a bit. You're facing Don Fuji. Uh, Toriumon versus R.E.D. Ultimo and Ginki versus Ishida and Diamante. Uh, Dragon Gate versus Toriumon trios. Yamato and Kai and, and Dragon Dia versus Yoshino, D.K., and Suzumi Yokosuka. A Toriumon tag match versus R.E.D., Naruki Doi and Sushi Kondo versus the Big E team of, of Ada and Big R Shimizu. And then our main event is Dragon Gate versus R.E.D. KZ, Jason Lee, Kota Minenora versus the Twin Gate team of B.B. Hulk and Kazuma Sakamoto teaming with Takashi Yoshida. In case this is an interesting card.
1: I've got thoughts on every match, but I want to start with the main event. Mike, what's the finish of this match? You've got Lee, KZ, and Minenora against the Twin Gate champions and Takashi Yoshida, what happens? Who takes the fall?
0: I think... Uh, Kazma's protected, but this Scream's setting up a Twin Gate title match, right? Who would the opposing Twin Gate team be? I mean, is the one that kind of want to see where he goes. So it makes sense that he would be like the young upstart, a lot like how Ishida was in Maximum. But KZ and Jason Lee is such a fun team, though. Yeah, I... You see my I, logic though? I see your logic. I I guess just
1: because we haven't had a ton of experience with the Dragon Gate side, with any of those guys teaming together, I I I think I'm gonna lean another way, but I see your point and I think that's a good one. I I just I wonder if Minora pins Yoshida here or I I, I mean it could I, be a fake out. It, the, the easy option, the easy option is that Jason Lee eats a first flash and we called it. And I think that's the most likely scenario here. Yeah. But I, I don't see Minora taking the pin. I guess it's just a matter of whether or not you think he's going to get the upper hand on that side, because he's not in a super important match in and Hall. No. So if they're going to continue this story, it's going to be here. And him being in the main event and these cards being announced after the KBS Hall shows we just talked about, it makes me think they're doing something with them.
0: Yeah, like, that's what it is. I mean, they're the same Dragon Gate trio are teaming at Corican, so it's something to you keep the line, your eyes on. Doi and Kondo is a fun tag team idea, and them against Ada and Shimizu, so Kondo's already faced off against Torimon's big boy, and now he's going to go against R.E.D.'s big boy. Like They're making sure that we get to see a bunch of beef slapping against beef in this one.
1: The booking of Kondo through three matches, and I guess four when we include Corican, I... It's been flawless. I have no complaints there. I think that match could be excellent. Match four, it's fascinating to look at the parallels here because you've got Yamato on one side and Yoshino on the other. And Yoshino is the aging figurehead of the company. And when he retires, it will solely be in the possession of Yamato. You've got Dragon Kid and Dragon Daya, the obvious connection there. And then you've got Kai and Susumu, who both have these mean lariats and our are always sort of the one B or the two to the ace or the number one ahead of them. So just logistically, it's a really interesting matchup. Yeah. And I think all of these guys, with the exception of maybe Yoshina, who who I, you know, I don't really blame him for not having the super high output this year. But I think all of these guys are working really, 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 really well right now. And I, I, am, I think that that is the match that I have my eyes on. I was like, wow, that could really be something.
0: Yeah, and of course, this one could also have title implications. I mean, Susumu, I believe, is going to be dropping that All Japan title pretty soon. But get, someone gets a pin on Daya. There we have a triangle gate, though that would be a second straight Torimon team so but yeah no this match is exciting i mean the parallels are there they're obvious you also have the aspect that like kai as a former outsider and susumu who's doing a lot of outside things like there's a lot of things there and i'm really excited to see like i think susumu and dia have great chemistry uh kai is just a whole lot of fun and then yamato i mean with those three guys there's no worries there whatsoever it could be something special match three is probably the one match on the show that I kind of raised my eyebrow at or i kind of Know what's going to happen there, and I'm not as excited unless we might get some Kisuke Akuda.
1: I'm just afraid that Kaito Ishida is going to break Ultimo Dragon. That seems yeah. not safe. That seems dangerous to have those two in the
0: ring with one another. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this, or I mean, he could like lose an ankle, or he could lose a filling, one way or the other. <laughs> <Lose> an ankle? <laughs> I mean, he has a pretty fierce ankle lock. I'm just saying. The the, the horoguchi thing. I
1: think needs to there there needs to be something there because you know you obviously had uh, the Horiguchi versus Okuda match that Ishida interfered in. I feel like there has to be some sort of follow up there. Now, granted, Ishida did beat Horiguchi earlier this year for the Brave Gate title. That was back at Champion Gate on February 29th. Again, so long ago. So if that match hadn't happened, I would say, well, I think Horiguchi going to get one over on it. Maybe they build up a title match that now that that has already happened. I don't know where they go, but it should at least be a uh, uh, noted that those two are in the same ring with one another here. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Don Fuji versus Sora Fujikawa. God, God bless Fujikawa. I would not <laughs> want to be in his position. There are times I was reading Shinsuke Nakamura's book recently and I was like, Hmm, I should have been a wrestler. I think I would have been good at that. And then I think, well, in order to achieve great success, one must wrestle Don Fuji in a singles match, <laughs> and that is that is what concerns me because this will be really fun for me to watch. It will be really
0: bad for Sora Fujikawa. It, it's like the, the whole like thing about oh, this is going to be a lunch pill match because you need to bring your lunch because you're going to be there all day. <laughs> That's what this match is. Oh you
1: know. man, this is this is going to be really fun to watch.
0: Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great to watch. I can't wait to watch it. I feel really really. Bad for him in that aspect. And then the opener, you know, I mean, that's a fun opener. You, know? you got
1: you got the boys. It is Ben K and Akuda, who are a longtime friends. The lads, if you will. And Strong Machine J, who I think is boys with both of them now. I mean, this is like, this is the squad rolling up at match one. They're going to kick some old men's ass. This is, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what those three can do as a trio. Because for as much as I love... One Dragon Daya and two the Okuda Ishida feud. This, these three as a triangle gate team, Ben K, Strong Machine J, and Kaisuke Okuda, that has my attention.
0: Yeah, they, these are three rowdy boys, you know, and they're going to go against three pretty rowdy old guys. I mean, Kanda and Gamma. I mean, those are some guys that won't hesitate to take the short lane and then. Ryo Saito's there to be Ryo Saito, so, <laughs> yeah, we're not sure if that's good or bad. Yeah, yeah, and then the opener Masahiro Inoue making his first hate match since the Tormon reunion, which is pretty neat. You, it was like he kind of went away after the reunion show, so I think it's kind of nice to see him there.
1: Well, again, I had forgotten about him until you brought him up on the air a few weeks ago because he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have a profile on the Dragon no. website, which is confusing to me because Sora Fujikawa does, and, you know, Kabune and Kamai do, and then, yeah, Madoka Kakuta does as well. So I don't know where he stands with the company. I I, I would love to have more information on his deal, but I'm excited to see him back at least. I mean, it's another young boy. I can't complain about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then the Corkin show, we're going to break it down here just because of how we do the release schedule. Next week's episode will be released on Thursday after this show happens. Sadly, uh pretty solid show. I, I think it's a pretty like interesting one for what they're building up to. Match zero is Kiki horaguchi versus Punch Tomonaga. Match one is Mochizuki Konda and Gamma versus KZ, Lee and Marinora. Match two, the singles match is Maria versus Shimizu. So we're going to get that match. That so supposed to happen at at Kyoto, and that must mean that, that Maria's shoulder is not too bad off, which is nice to hear. Match three, Ultimo, Dragon, Don Fuji, and Kakatora. That's a bunch of lads right there. Uh, <laughs> versus Yoshida, Diamante, and Sakamoto. That's also a bunch of lads right there. <laughs> the, 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 those are two different vibes being thrown out there. Uh, match four, the uh, what would be normally a pre-intermission match, uh, Kisuke, Akuda, and Dragon, Daya versus Ishida and Hyo. Match 5, we have Doi and Cyrio versus Ada and BB Hulk. Match 6 is an 8-man tag. Yamato, Kai, Benkei, and Strong Machine J versus Masato Yoshino, Dragon Kid, Susumi Yokosuka, and Shuji Kondo in the main event in his first show in Tokyo officially as a Dragon Gate member.
1: I don't think it's a great card. Uh, the match zero through match three don't do a ton for me. I mean, M- Maria versus Shimizu is interesting, but it's it's just interesting. Match four, Akuda, Daya, Ashita, <laughs> Yo. That is that is what I'm into. That is That's what I'm hot paying my money right for. There. That is hot fighting. There will be crowd service. Uh, I, I am very into that. Saito being in that match five, it's Doyen Saito against a 10 BP Hulk. I, Saito was, I think, Taking the fall there, and I just, I just don't know if he can still bring it at that level. I hope he does, and then the main event I think looks terrific. So it's it's a it's a show where the back half is loaded, and I really am excited to see that main event.
0: Yeah, and it's a main event where you could finish the show with the big Yoshino, Kondo, and Doi promo. You know, like that's yes, and then like we still have like the uh, the the six way thing kind of going on that was still kind of brought up at the end of then the arena shows that could play out there because you have Yamato and Kai you have Yoshino and then you could also have the three R.E.D. guys in on that so the, there's a lot of ways so they can go and we get some idea on how their back half the year is looking like but in case we do have a title match on the periphery that was just announced today as is the time of recording uh, at Wakayama Prefectorial Gym they will be having Memorial Gate 2020 in Wakiama. This is traditionally. The next kind of big show after Champion Gate, of course, it didn't happen at this time this year. They've moved this. This used to be a really like weird show because it was a sold show. They would put a title match on and they'd bring in Outsiders because it was kind of a sold show. But I guess like now, with like, it was like done by the TV network, but I think the TV network that is, is part of the greater conglomerate that owns Gaora. I feel like it was one of those things there. But we have the Open the Dream Gate Championship match as Naruki Doi will be defending against the King of Gate 2020 winner Ata.
1: Yeah, I this is interesting this place this is to strange. Sign. Yeah, I don't I don't have a ton of immediate thoughts. I feel like I need to see how this Corkin goes and then there's a whole bunch of shows airing in, in August. I guess this is the first one. So I don't know what to make of this because obviously Kobe World was supposed to happen on July 26th. It's been postponed to a later date. And then uh, Dangerous Gate, which is traditionally in August was moved to September, you know, at, the, at when the schedule was released, that was pre COVID that Dangerous mm-hmm. Gate, which is normally mid August is now late September. So I think they kind of fell into a good scenario here where they had an opening to do a big show like this and they were able to, to do a Memorial gate show. So, it should be looked at as a pay-per-view. It should be looked at as a big show. I imagine it is one that there will be a preview on voices of for it. I will obviously have the review for it on voices of because these shows do air on the network now, unless something changes uh, from last year to this year. I, I have no feeling on the booking and what possible direction it could go. I, I need to see the card. I need to know a little bit more about the future before I can speculate. But at the very least we now have, you know, we we've, Gotten out of the tunnel of COVID, at least for now. We might have to go back in at some point, but we've gotten out of the tunnel. We have shows with fans, and we now are seeing what could be the end of the road of this Ata and Doi storyline. Not that it's overstated; its welcome, but it is Ata in the main event, and I do like having an opt-out clause at some point in that fan-consumer company contractual obligation if you will <laughs> i like knowing there's an out clause when eta's in a in a very important position and we now at least have an idea that it might be august 2nd at memorial gate 2020
0: yeah and it's gonna be something that this is actually probably the best case scenario for Ada to have his first drinky shot you know yeah i think that's fair because like memorial like the traditional big five are of course dead or alive kobe world dangerous gate uh Gate of Destiny, and Final Gate. But this is, like, the ones, like, below that tier. Like, I remember Shimizu got a title shot at one of these shows a couple years ago. Like, this is, like, the B tier that you also have, the Gate of Origin in Sendai, Champion Gate. I'll put those at, like, that level as, like, your B tier and your A tiers. So this is a good shot here, and it's, like, it's too far to guess. There's still one more televised show that they have not announced a card for on the 19th in Kobe. So it'll be interesting to see how they build up to it. But it's kind of too early to kind of see this as like a crowning moment and i don't think instinctively that'll be one but we have a we have a we have a big show coming up and we have a dreamgate shot coming up so it does feel like a return to normalcy getting out of that tunnel for right now but case this was our first week back with live shows so i figured this one might go a little longer but we've gone an hour and a half here but i think we're about done here unless you have any other big takeaways from this week or anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here
1: Go watch the shows. I'm assuming they'll be pulled off the network relatively soon, so if you're listening to this when it comes out, go watch the shows. They're worth your time. They're fun shows. And follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate.
0: Yep, and uh, these shows should be up there. The show on the 4th should be up until the 11th, and the show on the 5th should be up up until the 12th. For new fans, the current thing of Dragon Gate Network has always been that anything that's broadcast live on the network has a seven-day video on demand feature before it goes away and is aired on terrestrial tv in japan so you can find me on twitter at Fujihea. you can find case on twitter at underscore in your case and that's going to do it for this week's update on open the voice gate we'll be back with you next week to talk about well we'll, we'll have that uh osaka show to talk about but we will have, be looking ahead now as dragon gate is now firmly out of the COVID era, but for case, I'm Mike and we'll catch you next time on open the Voice gate.